0: There's nothing that beats hard work. There's some individuals like, you know, I'm going to get a million views on, on YouTube, and then I've made it. And yeah. I know we pay attention to analytics on the label side so much. Right. I get it, I, I, right. I really do. But nothing beats that fan connection. Nothing mm. beats that experience. When I see mm-hmm. somebody performing live, and they mm-hmm. kill it, they are incredible. I'm going to keep coming to that show, and I'm going to be excited to see them on a the festival. And that's where we as promoters, we have to stay in the culture. You know, have to understand who's hot, who's coming. It's easy. It's super easy to throw a million dollars at this person or that person if you're a large promoter. But where you win is in the trenches, Mm. using a sports analogy. But when you when you can get those artists who are bubbling and emerging right before they make it. But you were that festival that had it and you introduced a thousand fans to that artist. You're now one of the more reputable festivals. You're the festival I want to come back and give my funds to.
1: So this brought to you by DistroKid. DistroKid is a distribution service that can get your music into all the DSPs like Spotify, Apple Music, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram. Over a million artists have used DistroKid. I'm one of those artists. I've used DistroKid to get my music out, distribute some of my songs. As you know, as I look into all of these distribution services, I test them out. And DistroKid is great. They offer a ton of features annual fee, unlimited uploads, and you keep 100% of your royalties. Check out DistroKid.com. What's going on? Welcome to The New Music Business. I'm your host, Ari Herstand, author of How to Make It In The New Music Business, the book, third edition, coming very soon. Today, my guest is Brandon Pankey. He is the vice president of business development and operations of Live Nation Urban. And at Live Nation, he has worked on a bunch of festivals. We get into all the festivals that he has produced and developed, some from the ground up over the last 10, 15 years. Uh, He runs a TV network that has just launched. Uh, He was actually uh, one of uh, Ebony's Power 100 of last year. And uh, he's on the the um, Ebony's Power 100 list from last year, from 2021, uh, as featured as an impactful Black entrepreneur. Uh, He's based in Philly, and we talk about kind of the live music space, where it's at now, how artists can, uh, you know, succeed in their local hometown live music market, or really just get on the radar of festival promoters and talent buyers at at venues and at festivals, and also just kind of the philosophy. We we get philosophical in this, uh, which was great, just kind of behind how artists should be approaching their careers and what goes into the development of an artist. Um, I would encourage you to stick to the end. He has a a great answer to the final question. And we also talked about the black tour director that Live Nation Urban put together a couple years ago of black professionals and black owned companies in the live music space. And we dug into the term urban because it is a controversial term in the music industry uh, as the Grammys and the major labels did away with it. Live Nation has embraced it and we kind of we talk about that. We also talk about some education initiatives that he's working on. So this is a great conversation if you're interested in the live music space. I think you're really going to dig it. As always, you can find us at Ari's Take on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. You can find me at Ari Herstand on. On Instagram and Twitter we've linked a bunch of uh, Brandon's initiatives in the show notes like uh, Apex and the Black Tour directory visit ariestake.com get on that email list that is where you're going to get the most up-to-date information about the new music business and everything we have going on leave us a five-star review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts if you can that really helps if you just want to pause it real quick and, and give us a quick five-star review if you've listened to a few of these episodes and you dig it and you think we should keep going that would be really helpful I love reading those those reviews uh but right now just pause it and and click that follow or subscribe button so you can get us in your feed all right let's kick into the show brandon Panky, welcome to the show thank you so much for having me man pleasure to be here absolutely so um this is uh so you've been your live nation your your title i believe is uh vice president of business development and operation live nation. Urban, can you can you explain yes. to me uh your role? And I, I'm actually, you know, this is my ignorance. I was not familiar that Live Nation had subsets and different breakoff groups. And yeah. and I guess the difference between Live Nation Urban and Live Nation, and if there are other Live Nation subsets, I'm curious to know about that. But but give yeah. me the overview of this Live Nation.
0: For sure. So let's let's start with Live Nation Urban. And I think it's a, a testament to to Michael Rapino understanding that you know, leadership is needed in all facets. And and there are a lot of joint ventures within Live Nation. This one was founded and started by Sean G., who was the president of Live Nation Urban, and really just looking at sort of the voids or the holes, you know, within the live entertainment space. And in that was really a focus that really super served audiences for hip-hop, R&B, and gospel. And that was sort of the genesis of what Live Nation Urban was and founded in 2017. Um, mm-hmm. I was there from inception, uh, showing G uh, myself and, you know, showing the power of the brand. Um, Heather Lowry, who is now the CEO of her own joint venture within Live Nation, um, called Femin Forward. And so mm-hmm. my role is really helping to develop new businesses as business development and, and really yeah. help. The operations of each of the festivals and events and platforms that we have and i mean that ranges you know we have a ton of festivals you know artist curated festivals like the roots picnic in philadelphia mm-hmm. little louisiana fest and in, in, uh, new orleans little wayne's festival uh her and her uh festival lights on fest in the bay area we also have partnerships that we do broccoli city festival in washington dc in partnership mm-hmm. with two amazing um the two amazing founders brandon mccarran and marcus allen and then also one music fest in atlanta uh, the incredible, uh, you know, Jay Carter. On top of that, this year um, in 2022, we launched Strength of a Woman, which is our partnership with Mary J. Blige in Atlanta. And since inception, we've had um, an amazing gospel festival uh, with Kirk Franklin called Exodus Music Fest. Nice. Music and Arts Fest, excuse me, in Dallas, Texas. Um, cool. And I know I'm missing um, a couple of the things that we do, but it's really a testament to the growth and the strength of, of the company that we've been able mm-hmm. to grow and expand so quickly in the past five years at this point.
1: Cool. And what is your involvement uh, with the festivals? Uh, yeah, we work on.
0: For sure. So, I'll, I mean, the Roots Picnic to me is, is of course, the most special. That's, you know, I've been working with Sean in various uh, capacity since 2006, mm-hmm. and you know the Roots Picnic was founded in 2008 um, mm-hmm. by the Roots. You know Amir Thompson, Tariq Blackfoot Trotter, Sean G, and and um, Richard Nichols. And um, I was there from inception as 2008 cool. to, to now, wow. so the last 15 years. So you know I've seen my my role grow and grow and grow, and now I'm one of the you know festival producers. Um, so that's really the one that I I, I would probably say. I'm all the way in a thousand percent. You know, with Rockley City, it's more of a partnership with um the two co-founders, but really there from an operational perspective, um, wow. an idea perspective. We have a strong booking team um led by Mari Davies, you know, Michael Carney, um and 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 Janice. Um, wow. and, and our team is just super strong, right? And cool. so um, you know, those are just two with each of yeah. our festivals, it's, it's different, but I'm always there in the middle from an operations perspective
1: cool i'm curious uh when it comes to let's talk about the roots picnic um for a little bit so you know big names on this uh mary j blige is on was on this one from this last year whiz kid uh jasmine sullivan kamasi washington obviously the roots masego chief keith it goes on and on uh big big names robert glasper um so what about the i i'm interested in kind of so this is based in philly well, um I, Is there a a place on this festival or any of the festivals, but specifically this one, for kind of emerging talent? And if so, how do those artists uh, get on your radar or anyone at the festival's radar? How do you welcome in the emerging talent that may not be represented by a big agent that Live Nation works with?
0: No, for sure. For us, particularly with the Roots Picnic, you know, it is our love letter to Philadelphia. So, yeah. you know, when we say that that's not just a gimmick or or a joke, we put on young musicians in Philadelphia. You know, mm. this year, you know, we had Suzanne Christine, Akil Dawood. Um, you know, we had a few, a few others that we had, mm-hmm. um, there that were just young and emerging and, and we had cool. DJs, our DJs that were there, DJ active, DJ diamond cuts. They are Philly mainstays. Cool. We have to have young emerging artists on this. And this is just the lifeline and the ecosystem of the, of the business, right? Cool. Yeah. Our goal with live nation urban one of the main tenants is, okay, we start you here. You're mm-hmm. on the bottom line year mm-hmm. one. As we continue to help and develop your career, you're now in that middle byline, you know, you're yep. five, year seven, you're one of our headliners. Mm. And you know, an example of that is Ari Lennox, who, yeah. you know, was, you know, someone that we started with younger in her career. And now she was uh, one of the headliners at Broccoli City this year. And so that's cool. sort of the vision. And we mm-hmm. always myself, I live in Philadelphia. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm going to shows. I'm checking out who's hot. I'm getting recommendations from those. You know, I'm not the youngest anymore. So I'm getting recommendations from those who are, who are out um, and, and a part of culture. And we all do sure. that, you know, respectively. So it, mm-hmm. we, we could not survive as a company. We could not say we represent culture if yeah. we didn't tap in and, and support emerging artists.
1: So if there are these emerging artists specifically in Philly uh, that are listening to this right now, and they're like, man, I want to get on Brandon's radar. I want to be that line one on next year's uh, Root City. what, What is your recommendation specifically to these artists on what they should be doing?
0: They should be working. They should be hustling. They should be getting to know all of the, the local promoters, all of the local booking agents in their city, because it's always important, you know, <clears throat> particularly in this culture and this climate is funny. I just had another panel discussion today um, and we were talking about, you know, sort of where the album is in 2022. And, you know, if you're on TikTok and you're listening, looking at a dance, you you may know the song and it's popular, but you don't know who the artist is. Right. And so it really is about artist development and where you get your core audience and your fan base is always, always, always going to be through live. So I would mm. always, you know, in Philadelphia, reach out to the TLA, which is a thousand capacity venue, reach out to the foundry, which is 500 capacity and mm-hmm. try to get on, be an opener for some of these yep. other acts. You know, there's something called consignment where, you know, if I'm an opening artist, you'll give me 100 tickets, sell yep. these tickets. And if you can sell out hundred tickets through consignment as a local promoter, I'm like, wait a minute, is this somebody I should have opening up for the next show and the next show? And then mm-hmm. now you're on the radar of a live nation of an AEG or another promoter. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, you can slowly start to matriculate and and be in some more in those rooms and, and start to build your core fan base. That's cool. the way for me, from a live perspective, work, yeah. work, yeah. make sure that you're, <laughs> you know, you're, you're doing everything you need to do in your power to succeed. Yeah
1: that that's really refreshing um or reach out to brooklyn bowl paul bacher was on the show here he's the talent buyer at the brooklyn bowl philly and and brooklyn um we just had him a couple weeks ago on the show um so uh it's really refreshing to hear that live is important um obviously you're a little biased but you work in the live space but (laughs) it's it is refreshing and i do hear that from managers and from uh label execs and label anr it's even though the industry is so obsessed with TikTok right now and everything that everyone's talking about is TikTok, it's, you know, like you said, a lot of the kids might know the song, they don't know the artist. And that seemingly, that fame yeah. is fleeting and you could be, you know, flash in the pan moment. And then even if they might come check you out live and if you can't bring it live, then you're gonna lose that audience before you even get them. And so kind of the thing, you know, luck is merely when preparation meets opportunity. Mm-hmm. And so grinding it out live, like you said, then when it gets to the point where maybe you do get uh, some some bubbling up online and people want to come check it out, or maybe Brandon happens to be in the, in the room for your show, yeah. but you've played a hundred shows before that and you know how to bring it live, you know how to work a room, and then that opportunity presents itself and then you can bring it.
0: Yeah, I think you said it. There's nothing that beats hard work. Um, there's not literally in this industry. And I know you see, you know, there's some individuals like, you know, I'm going to get a million views on, on YouTube. And then I've made it. And yeah. I know we pay attention to analytics on the label side so much. Right. I get it. I, I, right. I really do. But nothing beats that fan connection. Nothing Mm. beats that experience. When I see Mm -hmm. somebody performing live and they Mm -hmm. kill it, they are incredible. I'm going to keep coming to that show and I'm going to be excited to see them on a festival. And that's where, you know, we as promoters, we have to stay, you know, in the culture, stay under, you know, have to understand who's hot, who's coming. It's easy. It's super easy to throw a million dollars at this person or that person if you're a large promoter. It is what it is. But where you win is in the trenches. You know, I'm using mm. a sports analogy, but when you when you can get those artists who are bubbling and emerging right before they make it, but you were that festival that had it and you introduced a thousand fans to that artist. Yep. you're now the, one of the more reputable festivals. You're the festival I want to come back and give my, you know, two hundred dollars for a two day or three day uh, ticket to. So, or, yes. or you know, my funds to. So, you know, yep. it's important.
1: I mean, festival can be a great discovery mechanism. And and that's the thing. I mean, it's so much more impactful when you discover something in the live space than when you're just swiping on your your phone. And when you're there, you have this electrifying experience in the physical realm. And so that's going to stay with you a lot longer. And people kind of disperse from the festivals with their favorite acts that... Sure, they were going there to see, but also the ones that they discovered. There's always the, like, who did you see? It's like, oh, yeah, you know, I saw Mary J, I saw The Roots, and it's like, but I caught this new DJ, and I caught this new artist that I never knew about, and and they're Philly-based. And, like, that's where the conversation gets really exciting, and that can actually spread much quicker, um, especially, you know, word of mouth and local. And because we're so obsessed with our phones and internet and socials and all that stuff, I think sometimes we lose track of just that organic growth and that organic, um, you know, spreading of the word of mouth, which is kind of the oldest way to share information. And it still works.
0: And I would say, arguably, and even now I was going to say before social media, before all the technology, but even now, the intimate performance, that emerging artist that you see with 200 people in your local club or your small theater, that's the original NFT. That's the original (laughs) token, because only you and those 200, 300 people add that experience and can yes. share that experience and that's why i will always vouch for the live music experience
1: always absolutely i still have those ticket stubs those paper ticket stubs <laughs> from the early artists that i saw Damn. i got them framed up and it's like man it's so cool to see them in the small clubs and then they blow up and that you know you want to be there for that and the small festivals cool um so uh you know something that i thought was uh interesting and and tremendously helpful uh one of the benefits one of the good things that came out of uh 2020 um, and a lot of the initiatives to kind of support uh, the black community and and the culture um, was the black tour directory that Live Mm -hmm. Nation Urban put together. I mean, for one, there just aren't that many directories, period, for uh, live personnel. And you kind of like, oh, it's my friend. You gotta know that. And that also presents a problem when you're only turning to your community and your inner circles. and that, you know, it's like kind of where a lot of the nepotism historically sure. in the industry has come from is because people just like, you know, want to work with their referrals and who they know. And unfortunately, there's still to this day is not really that many tour directories that we can turn to. And right. I, so I appreciated seeing that there's the black tour directory because now there's no excuses really anymore uh, to not be able to find the talent. Can you tell me about putting that together and uh, just the intentions yeah. of, of what that is?
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, here's the thing. Let me, let me take a step back. Right. Sure. And, and I think, you know, we get upset. And when I say we, I'm going to say, you know, minorities or, or African Americans, mm-hmm. you know, because there is a, we, we call it the boys club or, you know, certain levels of nepotism in the industry. But if all, if all of your friends look one certain way, that's all, you know. And so that's the first P I don't think people, sometimes I don't necessarily think people are purposely trying to, to box others out. It's just, you don't know, who you're boxing out because you've never been in those different communities. So sure. that's one. You know, I think two, the Black Tour directory was started. I mean, 2020 was such a groundswell for I think understanding different cultures, understanding the black community a little bit more and so we, you know, as live nation urban took it upon ourselves and I want to give a special shout out to Jen Smith. Um, who, you know, runs our urban marketing at Live Nation. And also Niazia Burris, who at the time ran the digital marketing for Live Nation Urban, but now it's um, at Spotify. Because those mm-hmm. were the two amazing Black women who actually came up with the Black tour directory. I think myself and Sean G, you know, helped. Um, but but those were the two that spearheaded this, that took it to where it needed to be. And so I'm going to make sure that they give, you know, I give all of the, the kudos to what they did. And it's important. I mean, yeah. there are so many... You know, you know, and I'm giving, you know, production jobs, audio engineers and mm-hmm. carpenters and production managers and tour managers that mm-hmm. we know within our circle. But guess what? Their skills can carry over for any genre, whether that's hip hop, R&B, whether that's country, whether that's rock. And right. so it's important for us. It was so important to say, hey, these individuals are skilled. It does not matter the genre. It does not matter the artists that they're working with. Please, you need to get to know them because mm-hmm. if we're going to create a more diverse space, a more diverse industry, particularly in live, then we need to, you know, let's let's walk it and talk it. And, and that's mm. why we formed that black tour directory because we need to walk and we need to show individuals that, hey, these people are here, they are incredible and mm-hmm. you have access to them as well.
1: It's great. There's lists of uh, tour managers, production managers, sound engineers, uh, yes. lighting, stage set designers and riggers, stage managers and techs, travel agents, catering, production equipment vendors, exactly bus drivers, tour account of security, everything. And uh, I noticed some familiar names on here, uh, Felicia Bennett, who is also on the show, um, you know, and there, so it's great. And and the list is, is uh, very wide ranging. I mean, it's, um, you know, it's, it's nice to see that there is just this, this directory and that Live Nation kind of stepped up and, and, you know, used your expertise um, to in this kind of niche of the industry, which is so needed. Now, you know, speaking of, uh, you know, 2020 and things that kind of came out of the groundswell. Um, I'm curious because, you know, um, the Grammys and all the major labels did away with the term urban. Mm-hmm. They kind of nixed that. Live Nation didn't. I'm curious if you had those conversations and just your take on this. I want to learn.
0: Yeah, no, we, we've we had the conversation. For us, urban is more of a psychographic than demographic. Um, You know, when you say urban, you're talking about urban communities. We're not, we're we're talking about individuals that live, that are part of what I want to call the urban diaspora, which is not Mm. just Black, it's not just Brown. You know, if you are in New York and you are in Brooklyn, you are a part of an urban community. Mm. We are reaching out, we are supporting and developing Black artists for multicultural communities. And so Mm -hmm. that's why the word urban is so important on our end. It wasn't to say it's only Black music for Black people. It was making sure that we elevate Black musicians, Black production um, personnel, Mm -hmm. and elevate everyone in this live space to support the multicultural community because we all go to shows. We all enjoy shows. We just wanted to make sure that we did it for the highest level um, for for African-Americans.
1: And and so the term... uh urban and and why you've kind of maintained it and kept it um and it's not i mean i guess where do you stand when uh on the commentary Mm -hmm. from people that were outspoken about the term saying that you know this kind of marginalized the communities by um and like kind of you know like i was looking at this it's like all right right like what does urban mean and typically you know historically it meant black and but sure. there's 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 you know history within the music industry where you start from like race music which was way back in the day and then it evolved to like rhythm and blues r&b and it was like that all different terms for black and i'm you know and that then evolved into urban which was like seemingly what that was and it didn't you know it kind of kept it on the sidelines um mm-hmm. but what you're saying is that you're, you're developing the uh, the the talent the black talent for the multicultural community for the urban landscape or break it down a little bit more for me
0: yeah no for sure i mean again it's 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 supporting black culture for Mm -hmm. multicultural audiences and so here's the thing and i'll I'll be honest with you um i can actually understand why individuals or why organizations are upset with the term like i Mm. personally i understand it i think ultimately live nation urban All of these other organizations are all working toward the same goal. At the end of the day, we can redefine what any word means. If it means that we are creating successful black executives, Mm. successful black musicians in this industry, we can argue about a word. Let's make sure we're all on the same page when it comes to the end result. And that's what we're all working
1: toward. That's great. That's really, really well put. Um, Cool. Uh, I'm curious about. Uh, I mean, we're obviously very big uh, at Ari's take about education. You know, our our whole mission is about uh, educating uh, the next generation and this generation, and just providing tools and resources and knowledge, because that's that is a way to empower artists um, and and any individual in the industry. If you can empower them with knowledge, they you empower them. With, they 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 have their own. Uh, autonomy and they won't be taken advantage of as much because they understand, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the landscape. So talk to me about uh, Dash, this this education um, initiative that you've been working on. Absolutely.
0: For absolutely. So true story. So Dash was uh, founded in 2005. One of my first internships were with two music managers who are now mentors and friends, Michael McArthur and Jerome Hips, And um, they said, look, you know, we went to a funeral when we got there um the The Minister said, "When you're born, there's a date, when you die, there's a date, but what's that dash in the middle stand for? Hmm. And that was sort of the genesis of of Dash um destined to achieve successful heights. And really it was to give back to to teach students about the the business of entertainment. Um, you know, a lot of young people, you know, they want to be rappers or they want to be singers or they want to be actors, but they don't understand when you look at that black tour directory, how many lighting directors there are, how many audio engineers they are. Mm -hmm. And, you know, these lighting engineers or video directors can make $3,500, $4,000 a week on, you know, a major artist tour and make a a really great living working on successful tours throughout the the year. Yeah. That's what the, 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 the emphasis and the genesis of Dash was. I actually thought I was only going to work with Sean for one year. Um, I, you know, we had applied to the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, received a planning grant to start a high school in Philadelphia. So Mm -hmm. I thought I was going to be the youngest CEO of a school ever. And, you know, go live my life as an educator, because I I care just as much about education, if not more than I do about the actual music um, industry space that I'm in. And so, you know, it's been something that we've done for years. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, at this point, it's, Jesus, it it has been for about 17 years. And we're in schools and, you know, in Philadelphia and Baltimore and just really teaching young people, giving them internship opportunities and and really helping them grow and thrive in the the industry behind the scenes.
1: Real quick, I want to let you know about DistroKid. Well, I'm sure you already know about DistroKid, but they are partners with Ari's Take and they are a great company that can help get your music distributed to Spotify, Apple Music, TikTok, Title, Instagram, all of that Over a million artists use DistroKid. I'm one of those artists. I've distributed some of my music in the past. And something I appreciate about DistroKid as not just an artist, but someone who studies this space is they have been one of the most innovative companies over the last 10 years. They came in and completely changed the game. One of the first companies offering unlimited uploads, and now most of the other distributors have had to change their policies to kind of copy and follow suit uh, what District Kid was doing, and the industry had changed, of course. District Kid doesn't keep a commission. That means you keep 100% of your royalties and earnings from the DSPs. They also offer payment splitting. They call it splits, something that for me at this point is a deal breaker. I don't want to have to cut checks to all my collaborators and the producers and everybody else that is owed royalties and owed splits from my earnings. District Kid will cut those checks directly. You can get them to uh, your collaborators to sign up and then District Kid will cut all the checks to all your collaborators. And they were one of the first to offer that of the DIY self-service distributors. District Kid continues to innovate. Check them out. If you need to get your music out there, districtkid.com. How does it work? How can a student, uh, do they apply to be part of the program? Yeah. How does this work?
0: Usually we are contracted through um, individual school districts. Okay. But in 2023, we are actually, you know, this is a spoiler, but we're working on having our own sort of building um, cool. where we can have you know kids come in actually not even necessarily apply we want to make it sort of like boys and girls club for uh for music and 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 for music technology and so you know, we're, we're actually working with the school district of Philadelphia. There are buildings that just aren't being used for schools, quite honestly. And, you know, we're potentially going to be taking over one of those buildings and, and hopefully building, you know, let's call it the, the 22nd century version of, of, of the next music industry executives.
1: <laughs> I love that. Uh, so cool. Um, and, and how can people check out dash uh, the dash program?
0: Absolutely. Go to www.dashprogram.org uh, to mm. learn more information
1: cool cool that's great yeah. um so you i mean <laughs> you, we're jumping around a bit because you do so much and you kind of have your hands in and a lot of different things but it's so fascinating to me um you have is, did i see a tv network coming up what's that yeah. all about
0: <laughs> all right, i'm going to tell you about that I mean, let, let me give you the theory in, the, in, in my mind okay. so music music is always the heart right okay. and when you okay. think about the heart there are many ventricles that come from the heart that, that yeah create the entire body so music is the center of everything so music live music education content has always been a love of mine I always said Ari if I was like taller a little bit more handsome I would have probably been an actor um, because I, I love I love love the medium you know I'm still one of the few that that are in a movie theater right now you know on a random Tuesday night just just watching yes. a movie on the big screen because that's that's just my passion yeah and so in dealing with artists for so many years you know they always have ideas beyond just performing on a stage. And if you look at the current landscape, you, 50 Cent has built an entire career off of TV shows on the Stars Network, a power universe, mm. uh, Lady Gaga, you know, with A Star is Born, with House mm-hmm. of Gucci. Um, mm-hmm. I just saw today, Vince Staples just signed a deal um, for a new show based on his life on Netflix. Um, wow. Kid Cudi has an animated series. Artists have always, I mean, go back to Ice Cube with Friday. Artists have always right. been in this right. meeting. And so I wanted to create a network that specifically focused on artists developing content, whether it's scripted, unscripted, documentaries, Mm. whatever it is, licensed. And here it is, Apex, Um, artists presented experiences. Um, You know, I have patience. I've had it in my mind since 2014. Um, Mm -hmm. And so to finally see it come to fruition has been really incredible. We launched Mm -hmm. September 16th. Um, and you know, I'm super excited about what we're doing. We we've partnered with Issa Ray's record label, um, radio. Um, mm-hmm. they have an artist interview series. We have a second artist interview series with Stacy Muhammad, who has directed, uh, a ton of, of, of TV shows. And this is one of her, um, mm-hmm. executive produced shows. Um, I have documentaries. I partnered with Mercury studios, which is an arm of universal music groups so of documentaries ranging from Amy Winehouse to Tupac to Duran Duran, cool. you know, the Breath and Death of Music. We have a scripted comedy series. There's a bunch that we have that you know yeah I don't know get into but just know that it is something that is absolutely a passion of mine and I'm super excited about what this next era uh, will be.
1: That's awesome. We actually had Benoni uh, Tego of Radio Network on, on the show. Yeah. Um, so yeah that's that's very cool. I was looking up some of the shows that were coming out. And I was like, how does somebody how do we watch this by the time this is airing people will be able to to tap in how does someone yeah like someone well
0: we're gonna we're starting off on ios or android android excuse me download the okay. apex um app and then okay. we may have a distributor in a couple of months that i'll be announcing that will get us cool. some x amount of millions of homes but we'll announce that in a, in, in let's call it 60 to 90 days
1: so amazing yeah, exactly. so i could i could potentially watch it on my apple tv someday
0: absolutely absolutely okay. sooner than you think
1: great great all right uh mom's the word uh but nice sweet so um i want to kind of take it back to the emerging indie artists that's that's kind of you know the foundation of our industry um and and you know a lot of the people listening to this right now are uh indie artists are emerging artists um or or managers now when it comes to the um, you know now that things are open back up opening open back up you know yeah. fewer tours are being canceled here and there I'm curious from the promoter's perspective because Live Nation for those who are not familiar Live Nation is one of the if not the largest promoter the it's largest. the largest right okay the largest promoter running and and essentially you know owning and operating music venues and festivals uh around the country around the world and uh you know but each well first off let's let's zoom out a little bit can mm-hmm. you break down just from a, like a very macro sense of like the operations of live nation as a promoter just for somebody who doesn't really understand maybe what a promoter does what live nation does just to kind of grasp it and then we i want to mm-hmm. get deeper into kind of uh, how artists can take advantage of it
0: so when you say, just, just so I'm clear, the operation yeah. of Live Nation, I mean, here, I, I can tell you this, Live Nation is the largest promoter of live shows in the world. And so okay. we're promoting a show, you know, just from step by step, there is an artist, that wants to perform in a particular venue they will work yes. with a live nation they will receive something called a guarantee A guarantee mm-hmm. is basically with the fee that artists will receive there are different variations of that where it could be a guarantee versus deal where instead of you receiving you know x amount of dollars you'll do a versus deal where you're you know you're betting more on yourself um where it's like look you'll receive what we make you know yeah, minus expenses at the yeah. um and at the door and so there are ways that that deal works out. The artist goes, performs, they receive a check from mm-hmm. this, uh, you know, from this promoter. The promoter will then make their money off of tickets and and, and potentially some other ancillaries. Mm-hmm. Live Nation is phenomenal because Live Nation is everywhere. It's in every, you know, almost every country in the world. Mm-hmm. Own and operate venues. And when you look at where the live music business is going, just you know, to sort of piggyback on what you stated before, Ari. Yeah. You know, the music, the live ticketing business is larger than it has ever been you know mm. really bounced back since COVID, since 2020 and 2021 2022 we're selling tickets at a higher rate per on a per quarter basis than we did in 2019 and 2019 wow. was the largest uh year ever so now wow. 2022 is on track to be the largest year ever mm-hmm. um for live nation and for live events so we're all the cool. way back you know yeah. if you're an artist that's why I, I go back to what we talked about earlier it's so important to you know try to You know, build relationships with those local bookers and those local promoters because there's probably a festival in every major market now. And Mm -hmm. as you start building your name up in some of these smaller venues, there's absolutely an opportunity to be on one of the, you know, quote unquote, smaller stages or second or third stage of fill in the blank festival in that particular market to start out with.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's a great tip because it's kind of like, you know somebody could get super strategic about it and say all right what is the smallest live nation venue in my city all right i'm gonna go play that and then they rent. you know and then uh you kind of work your way up you get known by those uh live nation talent buyers for that venue because yeah. just to break it yes. down a little bit further um you know some of my friends are talent buyers at uh yeah. venues here in la uh live nation venues and you know they have a live nation email they're technically an employee of live nation even though they might work at the echo for instance or whatever you know a a 350 cap venue but they have those venues all over the country and so but then you can kind of work your way up it's just like you know you jump from this venue to the bigger one to the bigger one to the festival potentially um so for those artists that you know um might be uh wanting to kind of break in or let's say they want to book a tour uh let's say they can draw 400 people in their hometown market um you know what would you advise an artist when you think they're ready to tour or how to go about it is step one like get a booking agent or or what do you what do you recommend
0: yeah i mean for me one i mean it, it depends it really depends on how savvy that artist is and or if the artist has a manager so let's start there does the artist have a manager who has some you know, abilities, or even I don't want to, or relationships. You don't even necessarily have to have all the relationships. If you have a bit of savvy as a manager and you can understand who you need to reach out to and stay consistent with reaching out because nine times out of 10, the people you're reaching out to will not answer on the first time. Maybe not even the second time. There are those that quit and there are those that keep going and keep persisting and i think it's important to do that in this industry because there are so many artists that are trying to break through how do you separate yourself from the clutter separate yourself excuse me from the clutter nice. so that's the first thing do you have a manager if you do and you're able to have a booking agent the booking agent is still very important particularly for emerging artists mm. i would argue and this is where i hope none of my booking agent friends are watching this or listening <laughs> to this but if they are i'll deal with it <laughs> the booking agent is not as important when you're Beyonce, when you're Madonna, when you're U2, because you mm-hmm. can negotiate your own deals. You can, you know, at that point, the we need you as a promoter you know, to perform yeah. at, in our arenas or stadiums at yes. that level. We don't necessarily need a booking agent, but where that booking agent is going to win is if you are emerging or if you're a mid-tier or an artist that really doesn't understand what it means to route a tour, mm. what are those venue relationships, because the bookers, the booking agents have that relationship with mm-hmm. the bookers, with the live mm-hmm. nation, with the other uh, sort of promoters um, in the world. So that's two manager, mm-hmm. booking agent. But then as an artist, mm-hmm. you have to want to show up. And what I mean by that is not just a performance, it's rehearsing. It's making sure that you're prepared to have a good show. It's making mm-hmm. sure that you have great show elements in place. You know, I. you know, I, there are some artists that get on stage in particular genres and they just perform, you know, they get up with, with a microphone and they just do their song. There's nothing to it. There's nothing that makes me want to, why am I listening to this and not just picking up my phone and listening to you Mm. on Spotify? How do you make that live experience very important and significant? And I Mm. think that's what the artist and if they, you know, if they get into the point, gotten to the point where they have a creative manager, great, but really that creativity from the artist has to shine through and building a strong team around that artist.
1: You mentioned it as maybe just a throwaway term, but you said live experience. And I think the second word, the experience is so crucial that I don't think we talk about enough and I don't think artists think about enough is you are creating an experience and you're creating... An experience, and and what do you want that experience to be? Because you're essentially performing from the moment you walk in the venue, whether you like yes. it or not, and all eyes are on you if you're the artist. And then from the moment you step on stage to the moment you step off stage, that's your show. What are you mm-hmm. doing in between the songs? What are you doing when the intro is going? What are you doing? You know, at the end, that if you haven't worked out that entire set from the moment you step on to step off you're dropping the ball and we've yeah. seen artists that you know and these are some of the greener ones that it takes some time to learn that where you know they might sing great or they might rap great or they might they might be good at the song and then when yeah. the song stops they're like they turn into this like meek little shy person that they don't don't know what to do can we can we should we start the next song you know it's like no 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 that that's part of the performance <laughs>
0: I'll say this 60 to 90 minutes, which is generally uh, the, the timing of a headline performance when artist can be one of the longest 60 to 90 minutes ever. If you're not performing at a certain level or can be the quickest, most amazing 60 to 90 minutes ever. If you are yes. doing what you're supposed to do as an artist, you know, I you know, there are some people um, that are not in the industry that will say, well, man, artists make a lot of money and they just get up on stage for, for an hour or for 90 minutes before. And I'm like, no, 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 no. They don't just get up on stage. They are entertaining Mm -hmm. hundreds of thousands of people at one time. And I don't know if you understand, I argue with two people. um, If we have one or two differences, you're dealing with thousands of people, whether you're a doctor, whether you're a lawyer, whether you're, you know, a garbage, you know, man, whether you are Mm -hmm. a firefighter, you are dealing with so many individuals at once. Mm. And you are connecting everyone through their love and passion for you as an artist. Do mm. not do not forget about your artistry and who you are to each and every one of your fans. And I think when you think about that and really think it through, that's when the artists that really shine, shine. And, and they mm. shine in
1: the Christ. Uh, so well put. I mean, it, it's who you are. Like you said, who you are as an artist to them. Because the thing is, is, like you said, keep going back to. The song that somebody hears on TikTok is forgettable, and they might not know who the artist is. But what if they do choose to take that next step and jump in and go to your Instagram or go to your Spotify and dip their toes into it? Why are they going to follow you for life? Why are they going to follow you for this week, let alone for life? But what is going to inspire them? Because. If you know who you are as an artist and you stand for something, then that is going to inspire them to follow you to be part of this community that you're cultivating as an artist. And then when they go to your show and you elevate that and you bring the community together, that's what's going to make them lifelong fans. But if you just have one cool song, that's not going to make them follow you. They'll put that on a playlist and then forget about you next week.
0: Exactly. It's about authenticity as an artist. Mm. It's also, and I mentioned this before, and it's, this isn't a throwaway either. It's about practicing your craft, not just practicing in the studio, but practicing on that stage and really honing your live experience. Because here's the thing, and I say practice is, makes perfect. It may not be a great example, but I don't want, you know, if I have a serious surgery, I don't want the doctor that this is their first Surgery. (laughs) I I, I want the doctor who's been doing this, you know, a few times before they get on and do the surgery for me. And that's the same way with music. I want somebody that really cares about it and has practice and understands what they're giving um to the audience and to their audience because it's their fans. And that's why you know it's such a disservice when artists don't take the time to really perfect that because you're not just doing it for strangers, or you might be doing it for the friend of your fan. But be clear, the majority of the
1: people in that room
0: are there really for you.
1: Absolutely. And it's like, they want you to do a great job. They've paid the ticket price. They're there for you to support you. And that's why it's so much easier for artists, musicians on stage to tell jokes than it is for comedians. Cause yeah. you're, you know, they're, they're already on your team. They're there to support you. They're there for the music and you can just make, you know you can crack half jokes and they're going to laugh because they're there for you right. they, they want to have a good time. And if you make them uncomfortable or you don't really bring it, not only are they going to be disappointed, they're going to be embarrassed (laughs) for because they brought their friends and they kind of rallied the group together to come take a chance on this artist that they don't know about. And now they're embarrassed because they brought their friends and you know uh and so you don't want to do that to your fans you don't want to do that and that's but that's how you get it to grow and so like you said practice you gotta practice um yeah that's that's great well put um cool well brandon this has been uh so illuminating you we packed so much into this and you you've you've dropped so many endless gems i've been taking furious notes and i think everyone who's listening to this has been taking very active notes um I have one final question that I ask sure. everyone who comes on the show. And that is, what does it mean to you to make it in the new music business?
0: For me, it means that you have embraced innovation, but also for me, it it means that you've taken time for yourself. Mm-hmm. and And what I mean by that is, I think that the work we do... Um, It's always 24 seven. I, I, you know, I say we're on call like a doctor. I've used a doctor analogy twice, but we're on call like a doctor, sometimes without the salary, it's always on because artists always need things um, on a 24 hour basis. Hmm. But I also want to make sure in this new music industry, in this new paradigm post COVID, that we're actually monitoring ourselves. I don't even like the term work life balance. I just call it life balance and work as a hmm. part of it um, because you already give work more power than life when you put it in front of it. And so yes. When I say that you are an executive or you're just starting up, continue to put the work in. But as, but you have to work on yourself as well, because it's going to make you a better executive. It's going to make you a better leader um, to, to embrace everything that's coming and, and make sure that you embrace the innovation that's here, um, because it's not going anywhere. We haven't, We didn't even get into NFTs and blockchain and AI and VR and AR, but all of these technologies are going to enhance everything that we're building in the industry and enhance the artist and the fan experience. Um, And I'm excited about that as well. So the consumer experience and your own life experience and making sure that they come together in a beautiful,
1: organic way. Brandon, thank you. That was great. Thank you so much. Today's episode was edited by Maxton Hunter, theme music by Brass District, and produced by all the great people at Ari's Take. This episode is brought to you by DistroKid. DistroKid is a distribution service that can get your music into all the DSPs like Spotify, Apple Music, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram. Over a million artists have used DistroKid. I'm one of those artists. I've used DistroKid to get my music out, distribute some of my songs. As you know, as I look into all of these distribution services, I test them out. And DistroKid is great. They offer a ton of features, annual fee, unlimited uploads and you keep a hundred percent of your royalties check out distrokid.com